welcome to season four of the Horton Hangout podcast, a dental podcast like no other. I'm Laura Horton and each month I hang out with individual experts and we answer the questions that you have sent in relating to their field of expertise. Do look out for social media posts and my monthly newsletter to confirm the upcoming guests so that you can send in and have your questions answered every month on season four of the Horton Hangout podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to this podcast. This month I am hanging out with award-winning dental hygienist and therapist Kat Edney. Kat has over 10 years experience working in specialist and private practices and she's developed a passion for soft skills training and multidisciplinary team working within the dental setting. Now this is something I'm a huge fan of and that comes from my role as a treatment coordinator in practice so I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss from that angle today. So Kat takes a holistic approach to dental disease prevention and she's really passionate about soft skills and empathetic dentistry. Kat has written for multiple dental publications and she also speaks quite frequently in regards to the subject of utilising dental hygienists and therapists full skill sets. Again, this is something that I am an advocate for. I really do not like to see hygienists and therapists' skill sets underutilized. Kat additionally supports dental hygienists and therapists in online mentorship, mentorship programs too. So hello, and without any further ado, Kat, thank you for hanging out with me. Thanks so much, Laura. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, you are most welcome. I know we've got similar thoughts, similar passions, but they come from different angles. Yours is obviously hygiene and therapy and mine's the treatment coordinator role, but actually they cross over um, quite nicely, don't they? You know, I couldn't agree more about that. I really um, feel like practices who uh, want to really expand and really develop um, multidisciplinary team working should make sure that they've not only got a practice um, with a therapist, but also having a treatment coordinator as well. Um, treatment coordinators are at the heart of getting dental therapy into, into practice because those individuals are going to know which patients are right for the therapist, which patients are right for the dentist. So yeah, absolutely feel that those two professions go hand in hand. They absolutely do. And Kat, this is music to my ears because I know I'm harping on about this quite a lot lately, but I'm so passionate about treatment coordinators being clinically trained, having that clinical background so that they're able to actually support patients. So they understand how each dentist work, how each therapist work, how each uh, specialist works. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think it's really important in practices when you're using treatment coordination to look at which aspects are clinical and which aspects are non-clinical and make sure you've got the right people in the right seats to be able to support the patient and all of the clinicians as well so yeah music to my ears Kat. Yeah I completely agree with that you know um, how can a treatment coordinator really know what they're talking about and really help the patient to make decisions about their treatment if they can't explain all the processes what's going to happen on the day what the therapist or the dentist or the specialist is going to be doing and why it is 
that the patient should see those individuals. I think, um, you know, if you're not clinically trained, it's going to be extremely difficult for the treatment coordinator to do a really good job. Um, and actually, it, it's probably better if that individual who isn't clinically trained does a different job within the dental practice um, and you use someone who's got the knowledge base. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kat, I just want to pull a couple of things out of your introduction there that I think are really important aspects. And then we're going to get into answering the questions that have been sent in. And we've got quite a few to get through today. But I just wanted to very quickly talk about two things. The first one, um, you have over a 10 years experience working in specialist and private practice. Now, when I'm working with my clients, and we discuss the implementation of the therapy role, many of them, and the majority are in private practice, but many of them will say to me, isn't therapy really for NHS practices? And I feel it's a huge misconception. And obviously I dispel that with my clients and if it's right for them, we'll move on and implement therapy. But what do you feel about that? Do you feel that that's also a misconception? What's your experience? Well, my experience started a, a number of years ago. Um, I, I started working in um, private practice from the get-go, actually. From as soon as I came out of um, university, I worked in private practice. And I very quickly um, realised that NHS working wasn't for me. It, it just wasn't um, the environment that I was looking to work in. Um, and so I gravitated towards working in private practice. And when you're a therapist working in a private practice, if those um, dentists that you work alongside are um, mindful of their profit, their bottom line, mindful of what income is coming into their surgery, then the work that you can um, offer them as a dental therapist is only going to add to their profit because you're taking away the little things that they that you can do the class one to five restorations the the fissure sealants the the you know um, fluoride applications and the oral hygiene advice and all the oral hygiene work the perio work everything that they already refer to a hygienist um you take away those small things and you free up so much space for that dentist to do the larger higher profit items of work and that um is a um a concept which i learned really early on from somebody who you might recognize the name of bobby anthony um, I adored my time with Bob Bobby Anthony. Um, she was an American hygienist who came over um, about 10 years ago now. She was quite big on the lecture circuit and I spent quite a lot of time with her. I was really fortunate um, to spend quite a lot of time with her. And she has um, an analogy, the, the sand, um, pebble, stone and rock analogy. And really sand is your sort of hygiene um, work stones and, and pebbles are your restorations, your restorative work that therapists can do. And then the rocks are the expensive work, the diamonds <laughs> of the dental work that, um, you know, the dentist can do. And really, um, I, I've kept that in my heart for the last 10, 15 years, thinking about how other practices really miss um, using that model um, and, and, and I look at the dentists who are churning out loads of work and, and running themselves into the ground and their bottom line is still not improving because they, they're missing that, what I would call missing that trick. I completely agree. And I would definitely say that when it comes to profitability, one area that practices definitely get wrong 
are the fees for fillings in the first place. And then, of course, the way in which they charge them, which could be a whole nother podcast, couldn't it, Kat? Um, <laughs> Completely. Just want to quickly ask something else as well that's that's in your bio. So you take a holistic approach to dental disease prevention. Now, as soon as I read that, that sort of um, sent something off, a little ping uh, in my mind, because it takes me back to a conversation that I had many years ago when Standards for the Dental Team was published and we all received the lovely grey book through the post, which is now a PDF file, I think, for the majority of people. And... Standard one is putting the patient interest first and standard 1.4, it says must, and it isn't should, it's must take a holistic and preventative approach to patient care, which is appropriate to the individual patient. And remember this stood out to me and I remember having detailed conversations about this as to, well, do people really do that? And how, if, how are they going to do that? Because I didn't feel that that was definitely something that I had experienced working in practice. Um, so how do you approach this holistic way of working then, Kat? Because it is so important. And I think an area that is perhaps underlooked still in a busy practice, it's underlooked. How do you go about that? Yeah, so for me, being holistic and working in a holistic way is all about patient-centered treatments, patient-centered conversations, asking the right questions of our patients and understanding who they are as individuals and what is happening in their lives to, to connect them to their oral health. So um, I, I, I just feel like I've been really fortunate in being able to have really amazing patients with really lovely conversations. And I'm a chatty person naturally. Um, and I did work as an unsupported um, hygienist for a few years without a dental nurse. And so it was quite a lonely place. And I found that um, working in that way and chatting to my patients and trying to like have conversations with people, because I guess I was feeling a bit lonely at that time. Um, you get to know so much about your patient um, that you can see why there might be issues with their oral health. Um, I had one lecture on this uh, in university, one in the entire three years of my degree. Um, and the lecturer said to us, you know, if you've got a stressed and tired um, young mother who's got a new baby and you're trying to um, shout at them down their throat that they must floss every single night and it has to be at night before they go to bed, um, actually, that mother may never go to bed that mother may be on the floor in her child's nursery um patting their back you know and falling asleep there so so we have to understand the background of our patients um to be able to properly treat them and you can take that so much further than that one lecture said and, and my sort of thought process around that is that every single individual in the dental team has different backgrounds different awareness different knowledge we're so fortunate to have such a mix of people in dental surgeries and every conversation that each individual has with a patient will be slightly different. You'll ask different questions, I'll ask different questions, we'll get different responses and you can build a profile of your patient that way. And if you have really great inter-team inter, um, inter relations and, and chats about your patients, you talk about the patients, oh, they're going on holiday, had a new baby, um, they've got a new job, 
super stressed, fell off their bike, all of those sort of things come into play. Um, and by sharing that information with each other and treating that patient as an individual, you're so much more likely to get not only fantastic results because you've tailored your information to the patient's needs and requirements, but also happy patients because that patient feels cared for, feels understood and doesn't feel the pressure of conforming to one ideal set of advice that we get, often give to all our patients, blanket advice, which isn't helpful. Um, and more than that, that patient will feel like they're more likely to want to follow the advice that you're giving them because they feel cared for. And I think um, we're supposed to be a caring profession. It's not about just fixing holes in teeth. Well, Kat, that was an absolutely fabulous answer to my question and links directly back to exactly what the GDC standards are saying, put patient interests first. You're living and breathing it, aren't you? And I think that is huge. And I'm sure people are going to want to have a greater insight to this and have lots of questions for you. So if you want to speak to Kat about this, if you've got a question, then do DM her and, you know, think about, you know, how she can help you in your practice with this multidisciplinary holistic approach to care, because it's fantastic. And actually it's exciting. And as you said, you have patients that take on your advice and that's what we all want. We all want patients to improve their oral health. That's the end game, isn't it? So Oh, I love it. I'm beaming. I am. I'm beaming here listening to you, Kat. Shall we get into the questions? Oh, absolutely. I'm slightly anxious, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't be anxious. Right. OK, we've got a few to get through. So let's let's start. So the first one, how do I know when the practice is ready for therapy? I am the owner of a small private practice and each surgery needs to be fully utilised. Now, in addition to this, Kat, I ran an Instagram poll and 57% of people wanted to know about starting out with therapy. The remaining percentage wanted to know more about building their book. So what's your advice there? I mean, for me, I think you, you've kind of touched on one point already. When I'm working with practices and why do I recommend therapy? It's really when I'm looking through their book at, at what they're doing and I'm looking at their profitability and also uh, how, how far ahead they're booked um, and how stressful day-to-day -day life is, is in practice really for the dentists. And I'll always start with the conversation about, well, you know, we all have many skills that cross over and it's about utilising the best person for individual skill sets that they have. So what would your advice be to somebody who says, they clearly don't have a therapist. When will they know that they're ready? What's your answer to that? Um, well, my ideal answer would be that every practice is ready for a therapist. <laughs> um, every practice is ready for a therapist. I say that only because of the rock, pebble, sand analogy that I mentioned earlier. Um, and really, uh, you know, if you're telling me that every surgery needs to be fully utilised, that tells me there's more than one surgery. Um, and I would assume like most private practices that there would be a hygienist in one of those surgeries at, at some point in the day and most likely quite often a dental hygienist um, is scraping the bottom line that is literally the most um, the, the least that that surgery could be making 
So if you're able to have a general hygienist in that room, you are definitely able to add therapy either into that day list, into that schedule and start building that list slowly within a hygienist and therapist list, or you know that your therapist is going to make more than the hygienist. And, and if, they're, if they're empty, they can provide hygiene services as well. They can provide perio services as well. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, Laura, with talking about um, appropriate charging. And I think this um, is so important that we um, see across the board through all professions that we charge appropriately. So, you know, when I go back to that hygienist that we've just visualized sitting in their surgery, making the lowest possible amount that that surgery is going to make, actually, even that person, even that hygienist could be improving on the bottom line with the work that they give. Um, a lot of dentists miss that hygienists can provide fissure sealants. Um, fluoride treatments they you can you should be charging for skill not for time so if they're doing periodontal treatment they should be charging more for periodontal treatment um, and then you know if you then add therapy into the mix all you're doing is increasing 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 you'll be surprised I think at how many therapists out there are underutilized there's um, 4,000 th dental therapists in the UK. I very much doubt that there are 4,000 dental therapists working as therapists, which is really unfortunate. They're underutilized. Um, unfortunately, an awful lot are, are de-skilling. I'm working, I'm working very hard to make sure that that doesn't happen too much. Um, but, but the more that you use, the more that profit is going to improve. You know, we have loads of patients out there who have pretty good oral hygiene, but might need a little PRR or an occlusal or, you know, some small um, uh, fractures fixing, some abrasion cavities. All that stuff can be done within um, your hygiene appointments as well. So I would really consider... Um, adding a therapist even in slow slowly into your hygiene um, diary as well fantastic answer and I love what you said they're charged for skill not time and slowly build therapy into the hygiene book or vice versa um, I definitely have come across hygiene therapists that unfortunately yeah they've they've lost their therapy skill and they don't feel confident to pick it up which is such a shame but there is also an important amount of support that's needed by the practice owners and therapists. You know, they need to work together as a team. And this just links brilliantly to another question. So what advice do you give practice owners as dentists who are implementing the therapy role? How do you feel that the dentist owners can best support a therapist, particularly in private practice? And I think that's a lovely question because it definitely links back to that. Well, where, where is your therapist? You know, have they been de-skilled? Have they not used as much as even of their hygienist skills, perhaps, um, in the past? But what advice would you give to a practice owner who needs to support a therapist when the role is starting out? So really, um, I feel like a dentist who wants to support and work with a therapist should see that therapist as an extension of themselves. So um, they need to be able to work closely. And, and by that, I mean, you need to create a culture of natural case discussions and planning, having really great conversations amongst the team about how the treatment's going to go, what material selection, you know, just making sure that um, as clinicians, you're on the same page. Um, but the dentist could even, you know, in terms of support, allow that therapist to shadow them for a bit, go through cases, be open with the techniques and treatments that they do. Uh, so many dentists, I think, are quite... Um, 
they get a bit worried about having someone shadow them. Um, and actually, we are just sponges as therapists. We love to learn. We love to see what you're up to. And actually, um, we touched on it a little earlier, but I just think um, we've seen it all before. As a therapist, if we've been working as a hygienist and we are starting to de-skill, we've probably worked with five or six different dentists in that practice, and we see all the work you do anyway. Um, so allowing us to shadow and see how you got to that conclusion and how you got to that restoration um, would be a really great way to sort of re rebuild the skill set and the knowledge the therapist might be feeling that they're lacking. Um, let me tell you, it, it, it's not um, rocket science when you pick up that fast hand piece again. You you do remember pretty much everything you learn. Um, but it's it's you know it's lovely to have a dentist saying that they want to support. Um, I would also say that it's about getting the full team on board. Um, the whole team needs to be educated in what the therapist um, can provide. That's the reception, that's the treatment coordinators, that's all the dental nurses. The, um, the conversation needs to be there. And that's why that model works is when the whole conversation about the therapist is a positive one. And I would also say um, in terms of supporting diary building, um, we need to be able to set clear KPIs, clear key performance indicators on every member that is involved in filling that diary. So how much is the dentist referring? Is the dentist referring the correct things? Are there things the dentist doesn't refer? And is there a reason for that? Just looking at um, how much the therapist manages to complete in the time is that appropriate times that's given to them these kpis aren't for measuring people's performance they're for learning um, and developing your practice and just making sure that as a team you're working well together um, yeah and the the other thing i wanted to say um, as well is that you know we have this sort of like one man band <laughs> dental model that um, i've spoken about before where um, it's sort of evolved from the olden days when I was young going to a dental practice and there used, used to be just the one dentist and the one nurse who was probably the receptionist as well um, to we've just upscaled that to lots and lots of one-man bands all working in one practice together and um, not really communicating and not really using each other's skills as well as we potentially could be you know all the dentists I've worked with have different amazing skills they're all amazing dentists but they have different skills. They've got different interests. They've got some are better at cosmetic work. Some are really amazing with occlusion. I've got an amazing um, oral surgeon that I work with as well, right? So they're all different. They work differently. And if they see a therapist that way as well, oh, the therapist is really, really good at tricky occlusal or, uh, restorations or really, really amazing at amalgam restorations. And I hate doing them. You know, if we see each other as having skills that we utilize, that's how you support each other by working as a team and not seeing each other as sort of a higher being, a middle being and a lower being, which is unfortunately the sort of like hierarchy that we see these days. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your your advice is, is really fantastic there, Kat, to give time. So the therapist needs to give time. The dentist needs to give time to allow them to grow, to connect, to support each other and to essentially be implementing peer review into the practice. That's really important, isn't it? So you've got this open form of dialogue to support, you know, clinical cases, but also, like you say, the KPIs to make sure that everything is working as it should be. 
And because I know in some some instances, it's not necessarily that the dentist isn't referring enough. Some get a bit carried away, don't they? And they can send some right old whoppers to you um, that you think, oh, gosh, that really shouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> surely this should be a crown conversation. Um, so, you know, it's great to build that relationship. So I think I think that's a wonderful answer. And it just links in with another question as well. Um, I just love what you'd said there about, you know, everybody should be on the same level. You don't have this hierarchy. And this links greatly to a question that we've been sent in. I was really glad that we got this question as well, because again, it's a conversation I have a lot of the time. So this person sent in any tips for convincing a patient to see my therapist and not me. Once they get to reception, they insist on seeing me and my book is too busy. So well done to this person, first of all, for having a therapist. Happy days. Brilliant. Then then he or she goes on. My therapist fees are lower than mine. So I do not understand why the patient wants to pay more and wait longer. So this links exactly to what you've just said, that there shouldn't be this hierarchy and again, thinking back to something else you said a moment about, it's about using the right skills. Some people should be paying for skill, not time. So in my opinion, I'd always say, well, actually, the therapist has the same skill as the dentist when it comes to filling. So the charge should be no different. What's your take on that? What do you advise? Well, firstly, I completely agree with you about congratulating and saying well done to this dentist for utilising a therapist. I think it's amazing that we are seeing more and more dental practices these days. I'm being contacted daily by practices and principals who want to know more about utilising therapists. So that is amazing. But the question is already answered here, isn't it, Laura? Let's be honest. If you don't value your therapist, why should your patients value them? If you're charging less to have work done with a therapist, the patient's mindset is already going to be that it's not going to be as good, good a quality work or there's a, something wrong with it. And that's why it's charged at less. OK, so I really feel like we need to value everyone's skill set equally. And, and like you say, I completely agree that this question flows in with this hierarchy issue. Don't get me wrong dentists are incredibly knowledgeable individuals and they have learned an awful lot more than I have and I always always appreciate a dentist's input into my work um, I love a fresh pair of eyes but I appreciate it in the exact same way as when my nurse has input into my work because I love a fresh pair of eyes and when my nurse says to me oh there's a little bit here or I, I wonder if you can just see that little bit there um, I, I really appreciate that as well okay so what I would say to this um, dentist is you need to think about what message this sends to the team and also what message it sends to the patient. Um, we, we need to make sure that the message that we're sending is this is what happens in our practice because this is the best for the patient and this is the best for the team. Um, and this is our practice and, and that's how we operate. Not you have a choice. I think if you're giving a patient a choice, you can choose between the really expensive, lovely pair of shoes, or you can have the plimsolls, um, you know, and they're both going, you're both going to allow you to walk, but one of them is cheaper and isn't, isn't um, glossy and, and um, expensive and worth more. Um, and that's basically what you're saying about the therapist. You're calling the therapist, the plimsolls. Um, I would also suggest that if you have treatment planned um, for your patient and you have specific requirements from the desk, that it would be really fantastic for you to walk that patient out of your surgery to the desk and say, 
this Mr. Smith needs to book with the therapist for X, Y, and Z treatment. The rest of the treatment, when that's completed, will be um, completed by me. Um, the therapist will refer to me in due time. Um, if you set that intention at the desk in front of the patient, then everybody is clear on what's going to happen and what needs to be done in order for that patient to be seen. Um, there's no choice, really. There shouldn't be a choice. Um, also, I would say, just to add the last thing, is um, consider why they accept your hygienist to do the hygiene work, but they don't accept the therapist. Maybe it's something to do with your delivery. Maybe it's something to do with the way you're discussing it in surgery. But also, is it the level of knowledge within your patient base about what a therapist is? Um, if you ask the general public about a dental therapist, they, they often make a joke that they think that sounds like someone who talks to your teeth to make them feel better. Um, so I think also um, part of the GDC standards and part of the um, information that we're supposed to have um, in our practice is everybody's role and what they can do. That should be clearly visible and it should be clearly um, noted on your websites and all of the information about your practice. If you're not doing that correctly, if you're not considering the words that you use and the way that you um, explain that to your patients, then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure already. Wonderful answer, Kat. And I completely agree with you, but I love what you said there. The mindset of the patient is that the therapist isn't going to be as good because you've lowered your fees and you're also sending the wrong message to not only the patient but to your team what you've said there is wonderful and you know if you have particular requirements take the patient to the desk so I'd call that a handover system and I love handovers uh, it really enables you to have strong communication with the desk and to stop the patient also making up a story on their way to the desk as they do uh, the other thing that I'm um, really fond of is implementing guarantee systems into practices. So there's lots that goes into it. But to summarise, basically, if the dentist and therapist both have the same guarantee, which might be two years on a composite filling, that also really sets the patient's mind um, into the right place because then they're thinking oh gosh yes right okay well it's the same guarantee well you know, okay that's the last thing that might cement them going okay yes I'll see I'll see this lovely person for this filling then and last thing that you said there that I love there shouldn't be a choice absolutely that is it there shouldn't be a choice fantastic advice uh, really good advice now we've got a question about direct access can you tell us more how you use direct access? Do you use it for perio or for therapy scope too? And in addition to that, Kat, on an Instagram poll, 90% wanted to know about using direct access, particularly for therapy. And the other option was, um, this worries me, 10% were worried about using direct access for therapy. So how do you use direct access and what advice can you give for using direct access in particular for therapy? Yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, I've done a few webinars in the past about direct access. I've got another one coming up with Deepak Simkana at the end of summer. So watch out for that. Um, if anyone's interested, because it's really informative, it's a three hour webinar and it's really helpful. Um, but yeah, direct access works differently in every practice. And the reason for that is it has to be an agreed formula. So it doesn't have to be a, 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 like a tap that's on or off. 
you um, will find that actually a lot of dental hygienists, especially, are unwittingly already working under direct access because they're not receiving referrals in the way that they should. And then um, in terms of dental therapy, quite often, we mentioned NHS dental therapy in the past, you, you cannot work direct access in the NHS. So um, if you're a dental therapist working in the NHS, the courses of treatment are open, the, the treatment plan is there and the referral is there, so you're fine. Um, but direct access in private practice is a, a whole um, spectrum of possibilities. Um, for me personally, I have found it difficult working in London to find a straight dental therapy role. Um, and for that reason, and because I, I work with a really good friend of mine who opened a squat practice, um, what we did was we did dental hygiene as direct access. Um, I would, as a dental hygienist, always examine every patient I see for direct access. That's part of the rules. We have to provide an exam. Um, and then if I felt confident that I could take that patient on myself, um, I would actually send them for an exam with the dentist because that was the, the um, system we had in place. Um, and then the dentist would send that patient back to me for the therapy work. And it would have been all communicated to the patient in that way that, you know, you'll go for an exam and then you'll come back to me for your treatment. So for me, um, working under direct access uh, is slightly different. There's an awful lot of therapists now who are amazingly um, starting to work direct access straight as therapists. And I, I really applaud them. I'm so excited to see it happening. It's happening more and more places. And either they're renting a chair or they're buying a surgery of their own, which I've got a few friends who've done that. I'm absolutely amazed by them. Um, or they are direct access offering appointments into their surgery within part of a dental team. Um, and again, really applaud them. Um, Emily Dental Therapist on Instagram is, is one of these such people. So she actually um, attracts dental patients to her Instagram page using some of her composite bonding work bonding is amazing she's got loads of patients that come um, she will see them for a free consultation just because that's how it works for her that's how she gets people in she does the full exam um, any work that needs to be completed by a dentist she will refer on herself those dentists are happy to take the referral and then that patient comes back to, to her for everything that she can do so she sorts the perio she sorts all the class one to fives the dentist does maybe a little bit of ortho and then she gets on and does her bonding. It works so well for so many parties. It takes so much pressure off the dentist. Those dentists are really enjoying her referrals because she knows exactly what they're good at. So she's got an implant dentist that she sends implants to. She's got an ortho dentist she sends ortho to. Um, and they are really benefiting from her hard work on Instagram. The only sadness that I have is that her consultations are free. Um, I feel like an awful lot of therapists do have to do that in order to get people through the door because the concern is, and this is a concern my practice has had as well, which is why we've had to work it in this way. The concern is that direct access was brought in to remove the, the fact that patients would have to pay twice to have an exam. So they'd have an exam with the dentist and then they'd have to have an exam with the therapist and then the therapy work. Um, and it was actually a trading standards concern that brought direct access in. It was because of trading standards saying, actually, that's just not fair. The patient shouldn't have to pay twice just to be able to see a hygienist or just to be able to see, to see a therapist. And so they, they removed that. So unfortunately now, 
because dentists don't want to do any treatment without having completed their own full exam, which is what, as a therapist, we do <laughs> um, for free, um, they are now charging for their exams if we refer to them. So how do we get around this? Well, at the moment, the therapist bears the brunt of it and, and does their part for free. Um, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know the full answer. Um, it works differently in every different practice. Um, and it's down to a conversation really with the colleagues that you work with. Um, I really do see lots of younger dentists now coming through advocating for this therapy work. And I think we're going to, in the future, and certainly starting from this year moving forwards, see um, a lot more multidisciplinary working where the direct access model works a lot better and dentists start to see the benefit of actually um, accepting referrals from therapists without them having to go through you know, full exams and, and creating their full own treatment plans. It's just a mindset thing again. And, and it, it's about sort of changing people's understanding of how their dental surgery should work. Well, Kat, your answers are fabulous. And I just want to talk about this, as you've just said, the therapist assessing the patient. Now, the practices that have put, oh gosh, this worries me in regards to the Instagram poll, I completely understand why they've put that or the people, sorry, that have put, put, you know, this worries me. However, there are some real forward thinking dentists, practice owners that can also be therapists, hygienists themselves that really are utilizing therapists to see new patients. And I know that firsthand because I'm working with those practices. Some might not want to dip their toe that far in the water, but might be using the therapist for the routine patients that are coming into the practice instead. And this I know can sound very scary. And it's just, I think, as you said there, analyzing your practice and looking at your practice individually to know what's right for you at the right time. That's the key, isn't it? Don't feel like, oh gosh, I've heard this is happening. This practice is doing this. Should we be doing that? That's never the way to make a good decision. It's about analyzing your practice and, and your needs and just fundamentally reminding that skills cross over and utilize the best person at that time for that patient. I think that's what's really important. So I've got one more question to ask you, Kat, before we wrap up. Um, so a bit of a quick fire question, really. And this came from Instagram. Um, so can you reckon courses for therapists who want to upskill? It was 100% yes to this on Instagram, Kat. You'll be pleased to know. So do you have a few courses you could quickly recommend to our listeners? Um, absolutely. I am really happy to be able to recommend a couple as well, um, because they have been instrumental in really boosting my confidence so personally. So firstly is the Smile Dental Academy. I'm actually still currently undertaking my um, postgrad diploma in restorative aesthetic dentistry with them. Um, this group of individuals are just inspirational. Inspirational. So Dr. Jin, um, who just won Dentist of the Year 21, I can see why he's won that award. Um, he's got passion in bounds. Um, he teaches therapists and dentists alike, teaches loads of different courses, loads of multidisciplinary courses as well, but with complete humble respect for each individual that he teaches. Um, it makes you feel like you can you can really um, take on the work that you want always wanted to take on. 
Um, and they don't just teach, you know, hands-on restorative, they teach communication, they teach uh, occlusion. And I <laughs> can't tell you how important occlusion is because I just, I, I actually was so fortunate as well to sit, on, sit in on the Elevate um, FIPO course, which is functional indirect posterior onlays, obviously not something a therapist can do. Um, but I was so fortunate to be invited to sit in on that course because um, I realized that the 40 dentists that were on the course had never been taught occlusion in the exact same way that the therapists I know have never been taught occlusion properly and effectively to understand why our restorations need to be the way they are. So um, yeah, the Smile Dental Academy and Elevate, they work together um, and they are an amazing group of individuals. And then as well as that, um, Sculpt, which is um, a, a home-based hands-on course. So it's every month um, with Dr. Shiraz Khan. He is in, in, incredible, um, an artist in his craft, a complete artist. Um, and what he does is every Sunday, um, once a month, you get to sit down with a kit that he sent you in your comfort of your own home. And he works, he talks you through a restoration, one piece of composite at a time. And everyone follows along and you just develop these incredible, beautiful and functional restorations, um, which are going to last a long time. They're going to be bonded correctly. And you get the most incredible hints and tips from him about the techniques the treatments that we do, what um, to choose when you're doing what restoration, your polishing protocols. So he really breaks it down. Um, and especially with morphology, um, he has taught me so much more than I could ever have hoped, um, I think, to have learned on a one day course. So that year long sculpt course has been amazing. And then I will say just um, for any therapists out there who have felt that they've de-skilled, Watch this space because I, I'm going to, I'm still looking at developing um, a refresher course for therapists. Um, so that is in the pipeline. Um, and I just think it will be a combination of the two things that I've mentioned. It'll be a combination of online learning and hands-on um, so that, you know, we support more therapists in getting back into practice. Well, Kat, thank you so much. Can you send me the details of the courses that you recommend? And we'll include all of this in the show notes for everybody. They sound absolutely fantastic. I am sitting here with the biggest smile on my face. I find you an absolute inspiration and you're so passionate. And I've just mentioned um, Dr. Jin, who's got so much passion, but you really have. And I think it's wonderful. And I definitely would love to know more and help get the message out about a refresher program that you're putting together as well. Because like you say, 4,000 therapists, majority of those haven't been using those skills, which is a shame. And I know for a fact, so many definitely want to, upskill and feel confident so um definitely share the details with me Kat when when you when you're there um so I can help you and promote that fabulous opportunity so Kat thank you so much for hanging out with me gosh I've got so many takeaways it's actually unbelievable here I think the the first message really is every practice is ready for therapy I loved that um, it's not a question of when am I ready? Every practice should be ready. That should be the ideal answer that, that Kat would like to give. So really do have a think about that. Your practice is ready. Kat's given us different ways in which you can build therapy, either building it into your current hygienist list or vice versa, which was absolutely fantastic. I think one of the great takeaways for me and probably everyone else listening there, Kat, was charge 
for skill, not time. Thought that was absolutely fabulous. I have loved how you have said that dentists should see therapists as an extension of themselves. You've talked about therefore setting cultures, uh, learning observations, setting KPIs to support learning development, not necessarily business and profitability. KPI should be about supporting learning development, which I absolutely loved. Um, you said about how important it is to have a handover system in place for dentists to take the patient to the desk and how important it is to have the correct mindset across the practice. So the team need to understand why therapy is important. They need to have the right mindset and that will then enable you to ensure your patients get the correct message about therapy so that it is successful in your practice for the long term. I cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate your time. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciated you having me on board. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking about that. And um, I love therapy. I love that people are more interested in it. I feel like we've been this silent profession for so long now, um, but it is definitely working its way out of the woodwork. And anybody that wants to contact me or talk to me more about getting therapy protocols into their practice, I'm more than happy to support anyone who's interested. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'd really appreciate it if you could give my podcast a five-star review and do subscribe so you can listen to every podcast the moment that it's released. Music